0: Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbaroussis! Wow! he yeah! like a salmon, a spawning salmon! And you, man, to again! Oh, he's done it!
1: Unbelievable
0: kick.
1: <laughs> well, whoever said the revolution will not be televised, they were telling you a lie because the revolution. Of Australian football kicked off this weekend with round one of the A-League men's season. And like I said, they lied when they said the revolution wouldn't be televised. But what they didn't mention, the truth is the revolution will only partially be (laughs) televised as uh, round one of the league that we know and love here in Australia, the A-League men's, did get underway, warts and all. Taking you through it on the Oz Football Hour will be myself, Lockie Flanagan, and Josh whose screen doesn't feature a blue spinning wheel of death, so that's an improvement on the weekend. Josh
0: Parrish, how are you? I'm doing well, Lucky, and it was Gil scott Heron for the record. He said the revolution will not Thank be Thank you. I always
1: thought it was Anderson Pack. so <laughs> thanks. thanks, thanks for clearing that one up. Well, Josh, a huge weekend in so many respects, both good and bad. In many ways, the league has changed forever. It will mm-hmm. never be the same, and in a lot of ways, it is also very much the same
0: plus ça change plus ça reste as they say in France. Yeah, exactly. The more things change the more they stay the same. We got a, a week one of the league and of course the new streaming platform had a few technical hiccups. Uh, we're not uh, they're not alien to us here at FNR but you know dealing with considerable more resources over there at CBS Viacom. So it was a bit disappointing to see uh, the Westgate Derby in Geelong televised with only one camera for most of the game with some parts of it uh, not shown at all, uh, with audio sync and video issues, with blue spinning wheels of death, with multiple match day streams that were difficult to navigate and, you know, some action not being shown. It, it doesn't really instill you with much confidence. And I don't think new viewers to the A-League would have been uh, particularly enthused um, by what they saw on the streams. On the pitch, a mixed bag.
1: Yeah, well, shall we get straight into that mixed yeah. bag of games? We'll go right into the first one. Melbourne City, of course, the reigning champions of the A-League. Not necessarily looking like it on Friday night, but getting the win over Brisbane Roar nonetheless, by a margin of two goals to one. As I said, it was a very interesting game for Melbourne City. Of course, so much expectation on them this season to just go back to back and continue to waltz blissfully through the park as they did at times last season in the A-League men's. But Brisbane did not let them have it all their own way in this game, Josh.
0: No, they did not, and I didn't expect them to. Uh, I had them third in our A-League preview last week. I'm feeling, despite the result, quite vindicated uh, by their performance, especially uh, on the hour mark where Warren Moon made that change and, and brought in Luke Ivanovic up front. I don't think... Uh, Miley Uznich really did himself a whole lot of good with his mm. performance, didn't uh, improve his stocks. Uh, but uh, Luke Ivanovich, uh, who didn't see much football at the FC but looked promising in the minutes that he did, uh, looked very, very impressive. And that midfield, Akbari, O'Shea, Matty Steinman, seems to have a really good mix of attributes. Uh, I, I like the setup. I like the way Brisbane have gone about things, slightly under the radar, but giving youth the chance and Really putting some key pillars in key areas, such as central defence and especially central midfield. Uh, They look pretty sharp. They've got, I would argue, one of the best coaches in the league. Maybe not one of the uh, most well-credentialed, but certainly the coach I'm most excited about and uh, Forza uh, Rosselona, Forza Warren Moon. For Barcelona,
1: indeed, of course, Josh. If you can't already tell us, a pretty heavy investor in raw coin. <laughs> uh, we 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 are early stage investors, and we welcome those who aren't yet on board to uh, to maybe buy a few stocks. Because that was the weird thing about this game uh, is that it, it, as much as it did end with three points to to Melbourne City, uh, as as many would have expected and predicted beforehand. In in a weird sort of way, they were the team that almost comes away from this game being more disappointed. Like I feel like Brisbane were the more buoyed, and even that first half, like a a lot of the analysis from from the Paramount Plus team was about how it was this tale of two halves game, completely flipped on its head, Mm -hmm. and and I think that Brisbane did approach the game a little bit more cautiously than we expected. Of course, they've got a pretty difficult you know schedule in the sense they have to do so they, have, they had to do like a fly in fly out situation to and from melbourne and they'll have to be back here before too long as well so it's pretty hectic for them but you know a lot of the the analysis was that well city dominated that first half and i think maybe there was an element to which dominance of the ball or dominance mm-hmm. of the game was confused with dominance of the ball because yep. the C- City did have a lot, of the, a lot of the possession. They did control the proceedings of that first half, but I didn't feel like they always did a lot with it. And I think you know that star-studded front three in particular still looks like it's going to need a bit of time to fire.
0: If you look at the attributes of those uh, those front three players, the the star power. Uh, Jamie McLaren, of course, top scorer in the league last season by an absolute mile. Andrew Naboot obviously has plenty of caps for the national team, plenty of pedigree. Matt Leckie, of course, the, the big name coming back to Australia. All three of those guys can definitely score goals, uh, have pedigree, have big match experience, and probably come with pretty big price tags. But you look at the attributes of all three, and they're mainly their, their pace and their power the strength of of Naboo and Leckie, McLaren playing off the shoulder, Mm. spacing behind, they will kill you. And obviously with these set pieces, uh, City are very dominant off Mm. those and any second balls and scraps, McLaren's usually in the right place and the right time to score. But City are playing with a ball-dominant philosophy, which is imposed from above, from the CFG. Mm. And it's not as if they're going to completely change their style uh, to accommodate these guys. So I think there's a bit of a a, a fit issue uh, between what City are trying to do and what the players in that front line are best suited to. And having most of the ball won't necessarily benefit them this season.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you touched on a good point there. You know, any team that affords City a space in behind will inevitably find themselves one goal down. I mean, not necessarily the case in this game, you know, Melbourne City took a two-goal advantage in the first half through, you know, a set piece and and a slightly fortuitous deflection for Connor Metcalf that, you know, probably is going wide of the post if it doesn't take a touch off a defender. Um, but Brisbane let let City have the ball, but they didn't let them have that space. Mm-hmm. And City, it, it was honestly sometimes that second half or the first half rather, it felt a bit like watching a game on a loop because City would just launch these same. I don't know if you noticed it, but like it, it was very heavily reliant on like pattern play,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: repeating these same patches of pattern play where we've got the central midfielder that's sliding across to help an overlapping fullback and a winger, and if we can't find a cross from this angle, then we're going back to the to the defensive midfielder and we're trying the same triangle on the other side, and you know as much as they did have a lot of ball in that po- those pockets of space a lot of it ended in either crosses or if it was at the feet of Andrew Nubu, who didn't have a great game, uh, you know, crosses, Wild, th- crosses that shots. ended up being shots. Like I saw people <laughs> saying, you know, why does he keep shooting from impossible angles? No, he's not shooting. He's trying, like... Well, he-, he has
0: scored from that position before. Of course, before.
1: but he's not, like... When do you think he's shooting from improbable angles, he's not shooting. He is it's trying to cross. Up it cross. just goes a bit flat.
0: What did you think of Patrick Kisnobo's, uh signal to switch the play? Just... Both arms up. Uh, looked like he was trying to start a YMCA, but well, no look, one was joining in.
1: If if the coaching career, I mean, is he's, he's started, you know, pretty well and hopefully started as he means to go on. But if it does go downhill, he's got a good uh good career lined up for him as sort of like a I don't know what the extra sort of umpires would be in the NFL, but just signalling field goal, just all clear,
0: <laughs> doing that sort of thing. Uh I think clear communication is important on the touchline. It's also important when you're trying to organise who you're going to the game with, Lockie.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) brings us on to another very important point. Um, City do get the three points in the end and think they'll be disappointed with the way that they played that game. In a sense, they could have been a lot better, but I think it was clear that there's a bit of, it sounds crazy to say this about uh, you know, when we've had Mm. such a long off-season, but a bit of rustiness, still a few integration issues to sort out with, the Socceroos that, again, have had a bit of travel to do as well. So City will get a lot better than that game and I think they'll have to be to sort of, um, you know, continue to push themselves up. But the really the bigger disappointment was for me, um, and I say this as someone with quite a strong connection to to, to Melbourne City, was the crowd had ended up, I think, somewhere in the region of 7,231, somewhere in that region of a very there. specific <laughs> number. But as Josh so, uh, you know, brought us onto. It could have been one more, and I'm going to throw <laughs> one of my relatives under the bus here, specifically my father. It could have been a crowd of 7,232, <laughs> but for the absent-mindedness of my father. Now, I live in South Yarra, so this <laughs> is only a fairly recent thing. I can walk down to the game Must be nice from Amy Park. Very Must nice. A nice little 30-minute stroll down. I could see Amy Park in the distance. I thought, God, what a great day I'm going to have walking down to the football, meeting my father at the game. Uh, I I rang him a few times because usually he works in the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he he might be a little bit late, um, doesn't always pick up the phone because he's working. And I thought, well, that's all right. He usually turns up at about kickoff. I'll figure out where I'm going to meet him because obviously you don't just go in with your membership and sit in the same seat. You know, it's a bit different at the moment. And I started to cross the bridge over the Yarra I can see that the lights of Amy Parker right there, staring me in the face. I can hear the noise of the crowd. You know the the the, the suspension, the tense, strong. <laughs> it's the tension is building, and I think okay, I've got to give my I've got to give my dad another call, and I ring him up. And I say, oh, hey, man, I'm just uh, on the other side of Amy Park, just on the arrow side. Uh, where you should call I- your dad, man? Where should I? I do. Okay. Uh, where should- Don't question it. Don't question it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get through the anecdote okay. here, Josh. Uh, you know how hard that is for me. Uh, <laughs> I say, where where should I meet you at the other end of Amy Park? And he says, what are you talking about? My dad had forgotten the game was on. The game that he organized tickets to, he forgot was happening, and the reason he wasn't picking up his phone wasn't because he was at work. It was because he was mowing the lawn. So I was stood up <laughs> by my own father and watched this game by myself. So disappointing crowd for City. You know the, the champions of the A-League men's only pulling in 7,200. I know there's still a bit of a, a COVID hangover for some people, but really thought they could have done a bit better than that. And the main person to blame is my father, who stood me up on Friday night
0: at Amy Park. So lo- young boy Lockie Flanagan left in the lurch. Stood up and young boy Marco Tilio left on the bench. Yeah. I think there's going to be some clamor for this boy who we will hear from tonight on the station. Lucky, this might actually be news to you. But just today, confirmation that the football revolution with Gio and Jules is going to be back uh, coming up tonight. 9 p.m. time slot going forward on Tuesday nights. So it's audio only through the app and it'll be on our podcast so you, platforms as well. You mean to tell me that uh, Melbourne City Young Gun and
1: King of Serial Empire Tilios will be on this very station? Yes,
0: indeed. It. Marco Tilly, the face of uh, the new video clip mm. of, for the, uh, the A-League. The Serial Baron. become the future. Watch so out, Kellogg's. Look forward to that coming up at 9 p.m. Uh, but, Lockie, uh, we should move on uh, to Saturday's fixtures. Two games, one goal, and an inauspicious beginning to the Saturday night double kickoff on Channel Ten.
1: Yeah, I mean which which game do you really start with? I mean I guess you you should theoretically be switching between the two, but easier said than done as, as many learnt <laughs> on the weekend. Well I think we'll start I think we'll start with Sydney because we were of course at the game over in Geelong on the weekend. Uh the derby it ended up nil all the the main talking point for me josh is something that we touched on in our our a-league men's season preview last week uh the balance of this midfield is just so crucial for western sydney the the players that carl robinson puts in certain positions is just so important to uh how this team performs relative to their ceiling and what you were clamoring Mm -hmm. for was that antonis you know the the sort of Axis of dreams, the Antonis and Jugarkovic partnership. And you got your wish. Yeah. Did Western Sydney deliver
0: in this game for you with that midfield combination? Well, clearly not. Uh, I I felt it was a cautious uh, outing from both sides. We've got such a long off season. I don't think there's really any excuse for not being prepared week one, but both these teams looked kind of out of sorts and rusty. I was disappointed that Burgess didn't start for Sydney. I was disappointed that Petratos seemed to be so central to so much of Western Sydney's build-up play. I think the way to use him is to basically put him on a flank and get him to deliver the ball into the box. That's that's what he does best because he's a phenomenal dead-ball specialist. He's a phenomenal crosser, and just the volume of of, of deliveries uh, will lead to chances. But you've got to use Ugarkovic and Antonis as your main creative force deeper in the build-up, and they seem to be enthralled to uh, the whims of Dimitri Petrados playing in that number 10 role. I would like to see he and Rami Nadjarin switch and uh, Petrados Mm. play on a flank, even if it's on the left-hand side. I didn't think a beanie offered much either. So some teething problems for the Wanderers, as we expected. Ugarkovic and Antonis, I think, will be a good partnership if they're giving the platform upon which to. Well, this is this is the thing, isn't mm. it? Is that
1: later on in that game, of course, the other person who adds to that midfield conundrum, mm-hmm. Jack Rodwell, came on and had a shot that nearly went in. That's been uh,
0: replayed very many times over over the internet. So, I uh, I wonder whether Rodwell playing in a four three three with Ugarkovic and Antonis might actually. Uh, lead to a more com- more balanced midfield. With Ogarkovic as the six, Rodwell is sort of box-to-box player. I don't know if he has that in his legs anymore. That's certainly, you know, Everton Jack Rodwell was the box-to-box man. Um, but, you know, maybe he has to play deep in there. Has now.
1: Antonis got the capacity to be that sort of creative player consistently? I
0: think so. I Terry Antonis, I have a lot of time for him. I think he's a wonderful talent. And if he's given uh, the scope and the freedom to be your main playmaker, wherever he is on the field, I think he will deliver. But at the moment, playing in a double pivot, there's a little bit too much defensive uh, responsibility on Antonis' shoulders. I still like him there. I still think the team has improved with him present, but it doesn't bring the best out of him. Yeah, I
1: th- think that's the really the summary here, is that those two can play well together, but I think the pH balance elsewhere mm. in the team was maybe 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 a little bit off. But the problem for those midfielders, um, and I think in many respects for the fans watching online and the twenty four thousand dollar bank west who were all in fine voice, was that <laughs> midfielders like Terry Antonis and Stephen Yugakovic could barely string more than three or four passes together in this game because it was so cagey. Mm-hmm. Like UFC level, like (laughs) a cage match. UFC level cagey. There were so many like physical tackles thrown in that it was honestly hard to get a a stretch of consistent, coherent football. And I'm all for the
0: aggression, but it did make this one a a, a bit of a slugfest at times. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Suvla coming through on the Twitch comments, which is the best place to interact with us live. Absolutely. Uh, Shorter delay means we can incorporate. Your input into the stream, and Suvla says, yet another reason that derbies should not be played in round one. Game was very flat. Two teams who ended up settling for not losing rather than trying to win. I think that is absolutely spot on, and I know the conference system uh, means that the local teams are going to have to play each other sooner rather than later, but week one, we've had so many examples of round one of the A-League and the big fixture not delivering. I remember when it was Harry. Was it uh, Brett Edmonton versus Harry Kuehl in the the Big Blue round one, and it was a total da- like damn
1: squib. I, I could name more than one. I, I could also name. I think it might even have been Harry Kuehl's first game mm. for Melbourne Heart against Melbourne Victory. It was. I think it was round one at Eddie had. Might have been round two, but even any of those early stage derbies, uh, it was it was a nil all.
0: The A League rarely starts with a bang. I don't know why that is. I think teams uh, have so much turnover and so many new coaches and so forth. And there's a general conservatism in Australian football as well, but amplified when it's the first game and you don't want to lose in week one. Uh, but having having three derbies, the F3 delivered, I have to admit. The F3 did deliver. The in terms shouldered of, the <laughs> other two but comfortably. The, the Westgate and the Sydney derby were very underwhelming. And it would have been easy to avoid the Sydney derby in week one by having, you know, MacArthur play Central Coast and Newcastle play Western Sydney. Um, you know. uh, Sorry, MacArthur play uh, Western Sydney and then Sydney play Central Coast, something like that. Some configuration of the Mm. six teams currently playing in New South Wales could have avoided these big fixtures week one and given these teams who are still gelling with so many new players a chance to actually deliver some entertainment when it came to the big game.
1: Yeah, well, I... I, I agree with what you're saying and I think I think um, you know the, the twitch has raised a really a really good point and it's it's one that we discussed um, at, at some links in in the the press box during the Battle of the Bridge and we'll, we'll get into that game shortly but it's like this sort of weird juxtaposition where we're taking this line of argument that well these teams need to be you know in derby games like we've got a a, a league that is generally, a great league, but when it comes to concepts of risk, can be a, a little bit, uh, you know, hesitant, a bit risk averse now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, losing on the opening day, plenty of new managers, managers are under pressure as well. Like Carl Robinson doesn't. The one thing he wants to do in that opening game against Sydney FC is just not lose, mm-hmm. and the probably the same for John Aloisi, of course. Uh, same for Tony Popovich, probably. Just the objective for all three of those managers would be, don't lose. Of course. Victory, victory did get the the edge in the end. But the weird thing is, we've got that that position. But also at the same time, we've had a huge off season. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sort of boggles your mind that we're sort of like it's true. We shouldn't be playing these games now. But also, you can't help but feel like the team should be ready to play these games. You know, hand break off, carefree, fully gelled together nicely.
0: I mean, there are reasons for so that. I mean, the COVID situation made it difficult, especially here in Victoria, uh, for uh, teams to organise friendly matches against NPL sides um, because, you know, it's community sport in the NPL and you don't get those exceptions. So there are reasons why, you know, we haven't got that match fitness and sharpness mm. going yet. And also just the short-term contracts in the A-League the massive turnover of players doesn't help with that kind of consistency either. But to this extent, To see Western United and Melbourne Victory go out there with such a a rigid approach. No real idea of how they were going to construct moves. So many long balls. It was absolute dross, I thought, at GMHPA. Well, I I summarized it in our our little run sheet this way, Josh.
1: Uh, It wasn't pretty. Mm -hmm. It wasn't particularly convincing and it wasn't that uh, coherent either. Uh, But it was a win. And I feel like the Tony Popovich era for Melbourne Victory probably couldn't have started any other way than that. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't good, but at the same time, is this not the approach and the style and the game state that Tony Popovich has made his sort of managerial career out of? It was an ugly game, but Popper has ugly games and he excels in, his teams excel in grinding out results in these games. And they got one set piece. It was a, Bumping header from Roderick Miranda. I think it was Jake Brimmer who sent the uh, yeah. the corner in. Like it was a beautiful set piece. Uh, really, the only bit of
0: <laughs> moment of quality. <laughs> the, of only, the, match. the
1: only one of the main moments of quality. I think Connor Payne had a shot in the second half that was a nice move down the right hand side. I think from Josh Risden. Um, but that w- that
0: was it really. Yeah. Um, and it fell on Connor Payne's right foot, so he's never going yeah, score. But it, it th- this all felt very very popper. Did it not? Yeah, it was classic popper. Uh, I I didn't enjoy watching it. I felt as if uh, there was no inclination of either central midfielder from victory, where be it Marshan or or Broxham, to play ahead of the ball ever, <laughs> you know, mm. or, or make themselves available for a pass even when the centre backs had it. It just wasn't very progressive in terms of playing out from the back. Just basic stuff like that. It's mm. Just. just so many long balls. And it was an absolute carpet at GMHBA. The ball should have been staying on the deck. Yeah, exactly. It was a beautiful deck to 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 be played on. on. Uh, For Aloisi, I think it is probably more concerning. I felt as if Neil Kilkenny was slowing the game down quite a bit because he was attempting to coach his teammates while he was in possession Mm -hmm. and trying to... you talk about a midfield general, but I think you can take it too far when you're literally pointing at your teammates and telling them where to go while you have the ball, while you're about to be being closed down, and the ball just seriously needs to be moved on. You know, within the next couple of seconds, it was quite infuriating to watch. Mm. And then he would inevitably turn his back to the player who was pressing, uh, pressing him, and play back to a fullback or his centre half. So it ended up being. Tomoki Amai and Leo Lacroix's job to bring the ball out from the back on quite a few occasions and actually dribble past their midfielders and into the final third and Tomoki Amai I think nearly got a nosebleed when he got up there he should have shot but he just wasn't on his radar that he could score from outside the box so you know it was the way victory were defending they were letting West United centre-backs have the ball but uh, West United seemed to have no answer to it and it is early days uh, but it was underwhelming and Victory, they've got this existing dormant fan base. And if they're competitive again and they win again, they've been so starved of success, I think they will bring the fans back, whether it's ugly or otherwise. But for John Aloisi and Western United, they're trying to attract new fans and playing the way they did on the weekend, yeah. despite John Aloisi trying to sell it post match and, and saying that he was happy with certain aspects of it. And he did sell it very well. He to be was fair. pretty convincing, as he always is. He's a great media performer, but. It didn't ring true to me and anyone who watched that and came to a game for the first time. I I hope they're it, coming back, but I'm not sure if they will. Is that,
1: is that down to less about the fact of the style that Aloisi is choosing to, you know, the direction he's choosing to take this t- team in? Is it less to do with that? I'm just throwing the question out there. And more to do with the fact that these two teams just cancelled each other out. Playing the same formation, harnessing similar ideas. Like, uh, you know... Uh, Victory won the game, but in many ways I felt like that was that result was unfair on Western United. Which is not to say that Western United were good, mm. but I just don't think that either team particularly played that well, and, and both cancelled each other out. So it I deserved think, to be a draw, yeah. I, a I, nil-nil I think, draw. I think the win for victory, you know, it doesn't necessarily remove that. You know, these same sort of problems that you're identifying with Aloisi. I don't think the win for victory necessarily absolves them of that that mm. same critical lens. But I do I do get the point that you're making about Kilkenny, I thought in particular as well. Um, because he was doing so much of that long ball distribution from deep, um, it it kind of felt like it stepped on Diamante's toes maybe just a little bit because he does sometimes like to drop short. He does play those balls in over the top. And he his influence in the game grew as time went on, but I thought particularly in the first... 20, 30 minutes, he was often really, really tight to yeah. uh, to Dylan Wenzel Halls and to the other attacking players up there and, and and seemed a little bit isolated at times. And I think when he was in that, like obviously he can play a good ball in the deck and is just generally good with his feet, but he is known for those kind of, and revered by a lot of, of uh, people in Australian footballing circles for those sprayed passes. And it kind of felt like maybe... Yeah, they were just getting in each other's way in that regard. Maybe it's an intention to leave Dia further up the pitch. I'm, I think I'm totally it is.
0: Sure. I think it's because John Aloisi will have told him, we want you to impact the game uh, in the final third because you've got quality. Yeah. you know, you know Final ball is really well, good and, you know, he's he can score goals. He doesn't score that many but um, you know he can provide that final pass and the problem was he just wasn't getting the ball in the first half because he was up there they were basically playing 4-4-2 with Diamante up front that's Mm. what it looked, I know it was a 4-2-3-1 on paper but a lot of these 4-2-3-1s in the A-League end up playing like 4-2-2-2 or 4-4-2 you know sort of Sydney style and Diamante just couldn't get the ball, Uh, I don't know if he was presenting for it enough but certainly this service from Deep wasn't coming his way and I get what you mean in terms of that Kilkenny-Dia axis, but I think that is the theoretically the right way to use Diamante because he was dropping too deep under Redan yeah. and slowing the game down because he was dropping all the way into midfield, demanding the ball, taking a touch, setting himself, then long sprayed switch and the defense had already adjusted mm-hmm. across and seen it coming a mile away. So getting him more involved higher up the park probably makes the most mm-hmm. of his skill set, but then you do have to get him involved. So you need another solution there. And uh, Western United, at least at this early stage, don't have it yet. Yeah, and I think maybe the other the other thing to consider with having Dia
1: as high up the pitch as he was is probably a loading thing as well, mm. um, like a like the physical aspect of having to drop deep to receive and then make your way up into the final third for for someone of Diamante's vintage. vintage um, probably plays in because because Aloisi was was quite frank with us in in the press conference that Dia's not going to play every game, um, and that's not because he that's not a an issue of intent. It's not an issue of he's ability. He's just old. He's just old. <laughs> he's just old.
0: And yeah. We were a bit of rotation and maybe uh, a guy who's dominated in MPL three, whenever he's played as a number 10 in Nicholas Milanovic could see some minutes. And that's quite exciting because young players at number 10, much like at number nine, don't get many opportunities in the A-League. Those are usually the, the purview of the highly paid visa players. Um, and I'm really excited about, what Milanovic brings. But uh, Suvlak in in the Twitch comments confirming my uh, hypothesis about uh, victory fans, saying, as a victory fan, after the last two seasons, seeing a team so defensively organized under Popper was unreal. In a dour game, defense reigned supreme, and we nicked a win with some key players missing. Can't complain, really. And, of course, yeah, Brillante didn't start. That was a big out on the eve Mm. of the game. Uh, But that's it. Like uh, Grant Brebner couldn't organize a defense, clearly. And... Uh, They've been disorganized for two seasons now and haven't been able to convert from from set pieces at all. It was as if they didn't practice them. Uh, Victory had a shocking record in terms of scoring off set pieces. So to see those two things fall in their favor for once and see that the coaching staff has actually been working on defensive structure and defensive shape just to be competent enough to stay in a game so that you can get lucky and nick something is a welcome change for, for Victory fans And, you know, with Roderick Miranda looking like a a hit uh, Mm. early on, not just because he scored a goal, but because he defended really well, with Ivan Kelova, who admittedly didn't have much to do, uh, but, he, he, but he looked mighty fine doing it. He did, and in the, in the orange,
1: orange skins and huge bat, pipes,
0: running the length of the field to celebrate a goal and taking a selfie with every fan he asked and He'll giving his jersey away. Also,
1: also gave his uh, gave a shirt away to beloved FNL listener Brenton Ray. Yeah, good on wholesome. you, Brenton, But, the, but that was, jersey. I think, I, I think you make a good point. Like, it's just been such a long time mm. since that defense like has looked solid for victory that it's. Yeah, the, I look at the forward. Mm. Um, you know, the front third of this pitch is an area for victory that that can still improve with time. Because you know, obviously, as you mentioned, players are missing. Magiota looked good when he came on, but Daggers beforehand was
0: pretty invisible. He was terrible. I, yeah, not just invisible, Lockie. I I thought he had a shocking game. I thought he couldn't control a simple pass. Like it was, it was one of those days where you know, strikers touches a trampoline and the ball just doesn't stick. And, and Daggers, we know, is really good in the air. He takes those long throws. Um, but as a hold-up player, he's got yeah, a lot he, of work to do. And, you know, he's only ever going to be a backup at victory uh, when Marjota is fit. And he, he looked uh, really energetic off the bench, like he really wanted to make an impact, and that's good to see. Yeah, and I, I think his, his movement just just made him instantly so much more involved
1: in the, in the brief yep. cameo that he made. But that end of the pitch can be improved, um, and there's still so many fun you know, pieces for Victory to be able to play with, of course, you know,
0: Rojas, Rojas Cruz, Cruz, you know. There's there's plenty more that can be Nishan done Nishan Velopile looked pretty handy. He did look I think he's still a sub. I think he's still a super sub but because... A, but a handy one to have nevertheless. No yeah, less. definitely. But his main attribute is his pace. And when the game opens up, I think he can can play a really important
1: role this but, season. But that's the thing for Victory is that that can be changed. But the fundamental thing that they've been lacking for so long, as you said, is that solid base yep. Um, in defence. And they got that. And not only did they get that, they got the result... And, you know, they got that great scenes at the end with the travelling fans who came in great numbers celebrating. And that all of that, all of that part of it, even though it wasn't pretty, even though it wasn't perfect, was stuff that Victory have been missing for a very, very long time. And I think they are at a point where the way they get it doesn't necessarily
0: matter all too much anymore. Win at all costs and the fans will love it because it's been a long time between drinks for the Victory. Victory looking to build barbarussus is quick. Is he in behind Top Or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarussus! Wow! Up yeah! like a salmon, a spawning salmon! And Diamante again! Oh he's got it!
1: Unbelievable kick from over here. We are back here on the Oz football hour. Taking you through round one of the A-League men's and we're really getting into the, the juicy part of the round here. I mean, the, the first three games were a little bit fizzly, but this back end, the other three mm. games we've got to go through in the back half of the show, is where the heat really does start to turn on. And speaking of heat, the next game we're going through was in the west of Australia, a game perth Glory taking on Adelaide United. It ended one apiece, but the headlines were dominated and the game totally revolved around the efforts and involvement of a single striker wearing purple. Yes, I am talking, of course, about Bruno <laughs> Fornaroli. Is a beautiful, beautiful goal that uh, yeah, got, got his side a point in this game at, uh, out there in Perth.
0: I've heard his skin folds tests aren't great, though. So uh, they should probably look into it, maybe consider benching him for the entire season. Joyce Parrish. I think uh, he would be better off drinking Marte in the stand. No, sorry. I'm actually Josh Parrish, not Warren Joyce. So, uh, Fornaroli, baller, what a strike. It was, it, I don't know, if, can we say, like, has Bruno Fornaroli been
1: around and been involved in this league enough that we can, that I can use the phrase vintage Fornaroli? Yeah, on, I we, think can, so. can I do that? I think it. Because this this really was, like, th- I, I will, will, you know, openly out myself as the number one ticket holder of the Bruno Fornaroli fan club. Wherever that yep. guy goes, I just think he's he's an incredible player, mm. and not just for the goals that he scores, but the way he incorporates the players around him. I really haven't seen many other players that are able to do well, it. You, of in, course,
0: are the founder of the Prickly Pears. The uh, yes, Australian. So this Fornaroli supporters' name group. Of my, name of my
1: five side team. No, it's not actually, <laughs> would be a good um, name, but it's not, actually. not a bad idea. I'll keep it in the notebook. <laughs> um, but yeah that swiveling touch Mm -hmm. you know it it was this pirouetting first touch that did two things at once like it wasn't just a control of the ball but it was also a turn and face all in one movement it actually reminded me of i think the first goal that he ever scored for melbourne city against melbourne victory in the derby he had a defender behind him and took this first touch where he rolled around the defender at the same time and managed to, to poke it past lawrence thomas um
0: it was just an absolute ripper. That was that absolute was phenomenal. Ripper. He's a gem. I'm so glad he's still in the league. I'm so glad he didn't go, you know, back to Europe or or to the Middle East or wherever uh, when the city uh, thing turned completely sour. I, I'm just uh, I'm in awe of uh, some of his contributions when it comes to incorporative play, combining with the midfield, playing with his back to goal, but also just Sheer South American flair. That strike was absolutely pitch perfect. It was a peach, and it really lit up the game. Uh, Daniel Sturridge nowhere to be seen until the eighty-fifth minute. So at least uh, the eighteen thousand crammed into the uh, the shed and, the, and Perth Glory's home stadium had something to cheer about. But got if it was the, good. Uh,
1: God it was good to see eighteen thousand of them though. It's oh, been, I feel like it's been a while since we've seen HBF Park look really,
0: mm-hmm. really like. But it's all um, sturridge hype. This is the this is the short term sugar hit that marquees bring. I know a lot of people deride it, but they wouldn't have got eighteen thousand if it wasn't for sturridge. I hope they'll come back, you know, just because they they only saw him for a few minutes. Uh, I hope people realise that he will be hopefully playing, uh, you know, full sixties and nineties uh, later on in the season. But they won't be going back to nib stadium for some weeks, so I hope they just don't they don't lose the momentum and the. The hype that he's generated over well, the course of those, well, those games. Well, I, I know it's I know it's a long season, and obviously Daniel
1: Sturridge is but one week out of one week and one haircut out of quarantine, so still <laughs> fairly, uh, you know, not particularly fresh. Well, it, physically, um, obviously the hair is looking extremely fly, but um, that's another. Your hair is looking pretty fly at the moment. I, w- right I wouldn't say that. Um, you know, Studge, if you uh, know a barber, I'm willing <laughs> to travel. If Mark. Uh, Mr. McGowan will let me in. I'd be more than happy to partake in the services of that particular barber. But I know there are physical considerations. It is a long season. There is so much time more for Daniel Sturridge to be playing. But do you think this was a wise manoeuvre f- by Richie Garcia to limit with those, you know, increased sugar hit fans coming in, drinking the very sugary Sturridge Kool-Aid? I think it was a wise decision to give him just nine minutes in this game. Yeah, including in terms of
0: bringing time. those fans back. I give him fifteen, come on! Like uh, Richard Garcia, the spoiled sport. I mean, it was one all. You don't have to defend with all eleven players. Surely he could have chilled there up front for a few minutes, and it wouldn't have affected his physical preparation. To maybe, maybe he was utterly unprepared after two weeks of quarantine to really perform, and and that was just a token appearance, just to see him sub. But on. if you okay, so if you're a fan, you've paid for your.
1: From, from, what very from, from what I've read, you're reasonably uh, you're quite high. Uh at HBF Park. Are you happy to see fifteen minutes of storage, but he is absolutely gassed after about seven? So you get you get seven minutes of decent playtime, but you're seeing him more and wondering what might happen. Or are you happy with a, a nine minute burst? Wow. I feel like I take the fifteen.
0: Yeah, I think I think just seeing him on the field, you know, all the kids there, uh, seeing his name on the back of his jersey, and seeing him run around with his new haircut, I like. Look, he he was apparently good after the match, coming up to fans for selfies and so forth. Uh, I wasn't so impressed with the uh, the kids who used it as an opportunity for clout chasing to ask him why he hadn't scored uh, and video him when it was, uh, you know, feigning to to take a picture. I mean. I know I'm the grandpa here at the station now, but uh, it does feel like the technology is corrupting our youth, Lucky. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't impressed with that behavior. But anyway, uh, you know, this guy is going to bring so many eyeballs to the league, regardless of his performance levels. His the Star traveling circus is, uh, is going to be a hype machine of its own mm. just from, you know, his reputation and his social media presence and so forth. Uh, but look, I would take the 15 minutes, Uh If they thought genuinely, you know, even bringing him on for five is a risk of injury, um, then you know maybe that's maybe that's why uh, Richard Garcia took the approach that he took. But yeah, it is a little bit disappointing for those for those fans who paid so much money to come out and see him that they only saw it a brief glimpse. I I
1: think it wouldn't be so as you sort of intimated before. It wouldn't be so bad if if Perth weren't staring down the barrel of. Such a long time away from having another home game. Like yeah. if they, if they were playing again in two weeks' time, it'd be fine. Like you know, the other things around the corner. But you need to capitalize on that momentum. Like it, it's. I mean, I remember this sort of similar thing with obviously not the same caliber of player doesn't um, stimulate the Euro snob market quite the same. But Timmy Cahill brought those kind of bumps right at the very start. But as things went on, it ju- it just kind of tapered off. And mm-hmm. part of that was to do with. You know, the football that Melbourne City were playing at the time you know there, there were other issues but once that momentum started to sort of sap off the people who were there for for timmy and Timmy alone didn't come back and so you have to you have to capitalize on that momentum as much as you can and a nine-minute cameo uh in a one-all draw when you've got such a long away trip to come doesn't really do that
0: uh, we're trying to sort of interpret the psyche of the supporters and the parents who paid the money and so forth. It would it's have been not, a great time for not uh, a cheap some outside of stadium Vox Pops. Yeah, it would uh, have been. what fans thought of that. Definitely. I, I hope somebody did that. I'll have to dig around for uh, some of those Perth Glory fan channels and so forth. But they won't be playing another home game until mid-January, as you say. Talking about the Cahill example and this, I think there is a certain extent to which those supporters who come right at the very beginning are theatre-goers are going to say that they've been and are only going to come to one or two games uh, because they're just not uh, the kind of diehard fans who are going to buy a season ticket. And just one player being in town is not going to convince them to change that habit. If they haven't signed on as a member after, you know, 15, 16 years of the A-League and however many years of Perth Glory's existence... Are they going to be suddenly converted now by the presence of one star yeah. player? I don't know. So that, that that's the counter argument. Well, how, guess... how much is this worth long term? Yeah. It, it, obviously, it's a, a big uh, big whack of money on the night. And I'm sure in January, because there's so long between games, they'll get another big crowd. Uh, but whether it holds for the season is, is another matter entirely. Certainly an interesting
1: narrative to follow on to. But like, for example, the circus, it only comes around to your local area once every few months. If it, it was—if the circus was there every week, you, you probably wouldn't go. Yeah, like every exactly. time the circus comes down once every three months, you're like,
0: yeah, I'll go down. It's a circus. You know? Yeah. It's
1: an illusion. <laughs> When's like the, the
0: last time you went to the circus? Okay, like- no,
1: but I'm talking about as like, you know, as, as the kind of person you might be interested in a Sturridge sugar hit, as a okay. younger fan, perhaps, you might be like... Grouse, the circus like you know it's yeah, you again. don't buy a season but ticket if the circus, to sector it's novelty there, value if the circus was there every week you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> that's go that's true so it, it's a good point but um hopefully hopefully for the the sake of Richie Garcia for because that the HBF Park when it has fans in can just it cultivates a really good atmosphere the place sounded great and this was a, a pretty entertaining game and it was definitely aided by the fact that there were so many people there so that's a uh, you know that that mm. In a, in a time where crowds are very fluctual, very disparate, we saw some good ones this week, we saw some bad ones, like having that support can make a big difference. Mm. Like momentum, confidence, all those sort of things really do, those intangibles count for a lot in the A-League, especially when there is so much tactical similarity. So I hope they can stick around because it'll be a real boon to Perth as they go um, you know, further into the season.
0: And the shed, underrated in terms of active uh, groups around the country. If the, when it's full, well, I think when it's is. pumping, it's possibly uh, the best atmosphere in the league. Maybe only second to, I guess Wanderers and Victory, the two two groups that you put in the conversation. But you know, both of those have, have dipped in recent seasons. The shed, yeah. the shed could establish themselves as the uh, most intimidating um, and, and best atmosphere in the competition if if these these crowds hold and if Perth Glory deliver on the pitch. I saw plenty of of warning signs and question marks. Mm. Uh, you know, this five four one that they went out with. I liked the look of Anthony Burke Gilroy, uh, yeah, at right wing back was uh, looks like a good signing. Uh, but the midfield combination, again, I'm not sure how they're going to get Starage and Fauna Raleigh the ball when they inevitably both play together. Mm. I mean, I I wonder because purely for the fact
1: that. I think Keo is the one who has to go straight out, unfortunately, because as we sort of said at the start, Fornaroli is just so incorporative. He just needs to be there f- to facilitate what goes on around him, and, and Sturridge is included in that. So I guess you could – there's an argument to be made that he could function as a 10. I think he was given that role a few times when he was having that weird period towards the end of his Melbourne City career. It didn't necessarily work because to really play in the heart of that mm-hmm. midfield um, – you know, it requires a little bit more sort of ticker, and Warren Joyce would have said that that's something that Brentford really didn't have. Um, so that that is one option. Um, Sardanero, I guess, is another that's been touted. Whether or not that actually happens is another matter altogether. But yeah, because yeah, he hasn't played there, he's a
0: striker slash winger. Yeah. He's never played as a ten. Maybe he can reinvent himself. But, but he's twenty nine. Richie Garcia so. will have to well, so. to
1: to figure it out. If for no other reason than. To service the fans of the shed. As Adam Papalia said it was it was standing room only in the shed, mm. and I think standing room only was the uh the sign that read atop uh, Ben Halloran's shoulders in this game to, <laughs> to bring it over to an Adelaide perspective for, for just a few minutes because Ben Halloran, I, I hate to, you know, lean too heavily on, on the uh the words and the teachings of Ante Jukic, but he really was the the alpha and omega
0: for Adelaide United in this game. Yeah, he's In a contract year, and I think he's going to really dominate uh, this season, but will it be enough for Adelaide? I'm not sure. I think they have a lot of recyclers and conservative players in the midfield, but Lockie, we've only got a couple of minutes left in the show, so we should shout out the F3 derby, the most entertaining game this weekend, and dig in a little bit into the MacArthur-Campbelltown to stadium pitch situation before we go. Yes. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's go Newcastle. Uh, I, the good or the bad and the ugly? <laughs> uh, it was just great well, great viewing. Classic A-League, F3 derby, chaos end-to-end. Newcastle with a really entertaining contingent of foreign players and a really attacking philosophy. A couple of mistakes getting found out by a central coast side with Josh Nisbet up front. It was clearly uh, designed to pounce on those mistakes. Uh, so, Newcastle are going to be incredibly volatile this season. I love Becker Tadze for that reason. He sort of is emblematic of the entire team. Uh, and, I mean, like Fornaroli a little bit, mm, like, incorporative. Yeah. um, All over, dropping deep. He's really dynamic. He's screaming at the refs. He's going to probably have some kind of high-profile bust-up in a change room with somebody. Uh, but he's great. He's so much fun. And uh, Pena will literally shoot from anywhere. They, they've got some... Uh, characters in this side, I think they've got some cult heroes in the making, and whether they win or lose, uh, Newcastle games are going to be yeah. appointment viewing for me. Yeah, well,
1: I, I think I think they were a little bit like that in in seasons gone by. They they haven't necess- There's been plenty of times where they haven't necessarily been the best team, but they are like a team that has to be watched. Like even last mm-hmm. year, there were so many patches across the season. They were good value, and I think they look at least on the basis of this game. Um, they were unlucky not sure. to get a point, not to get potentially more. Um, of course they really undid themselves with some of the errors that they made. But, yeah, certainly I think if you're buying into Jets coin, you've got to get in contact with you know Danny Tanzan to, to get some
0: of those. But uh, I think you have to contact the, uh, the council, the Brains Trust, of what, three or four different A-league clubs well, who are running Newcastle now.
1: Th- look, maybe just...
0: We wouldn't go all in
1: on, on Jets coin, but maybe... It's maybe, volatile. It's going to have some peaks and troughs, may, it's much may, like
0: real crypto Maybe,
1: Maybe just buy, uh, buy one or two. But yeah, the, the, all the Visa signings looked exciting in this game. Uh, Daniel Pena, as you said, you know you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Uh, or if you're Daniel Pena in the league, you miss 100% of the shots that you have taken so far. But <laughs> hey, uh, He scored in the FFA Cup. It's true. It's true. That, so that's why, clar- that's why I made the that's why I made the clarification. In the league, but um, yeah. he he will be so exciting. So too the rest of them. Uh, roll on the Newcastle Jets and roll on the the young talent that continues to come out of the Central Coast Mariners as well. I'm eagerly awaiting to see who continues to step up and, and fill that void for you know the Stensness and the quals that have that have uh, parted ways. Yeah,
0: uh, Central Coast. I didn't uh, see anything that I haven't seen from them uh, before. Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think they're building on the axis and the, the system that Stagic left there. Whether it works against a team who, who takes less risks than Newcastle do, uh, it remains mm. to be seen. Uh, but, Lockie, before we go, we should talk about this game that was moved to McDonald Jones Stadium. MacArthur won. Wellington Phoenix won in the pouring rain. Uh, Craig Noon playing at right wing back. Uh, but it was more about where the game wasn't happening that was the story. How on earth, in week one, have we got to this situation where you've got an unplayable cow paddock at Campbelltown Stadium? How did they not know until Friday? This is totally unprofessional. Like, did someone... This is what blows my mind.
1: There there are a lot of people involved in the running of a football club. Like, if you've you've ever been behind the scenes Mm. on a match day, there's a lot of people kicking about doing different things. Surely there is one member of staff who lives in the area, who's nearby, who's like... Going, you know, they, they they walk home, or they walk to the train station, or something, c- goes by Campbelltown Stadium, and they just have a, a cursory glance, just I'll have a little look at the place I'll be working this year. Oh, that doesn't look great. It,
0: no one did that, and I don't know when it got torn up. That's the question. Uh, well, there's so many unanswered. But it, it's, it's not even it's here. not even the fact that no one checked. It's the fact that
1: the the, the council who I think it was the council who, or maybe the stadium. There's, there's, there's
0: also like a. Turf contractor. Yeah. Uh, The the council apparently decided to lay ready to play turf at a really late stage. But how could these things be communicated
1: without the singular, at least to the best of my knowledge at the present moment, singular tenant of the place
0: uh, not knowing? It's bizarre because it seems like they have a great relationship with the council because the council are letting them use the stadium for a literal peppercorn rent. The they're peppercorn rent. They're paying $1. You literally Jesus. couldn't pay less than that in dollar terms. I guess it's, it's as cheap it, as it can be. I guess you get what you pay for, apparently. Yeah. Like, apparently. I feel bad for MacArthur fans. Uh, there's not that much noise about this because, of course, there's still very much a fledgling just a, just club. Just a few sad cowbells. Yeah, just a few uh, ding ringing, ding. ringing the bell and chanting ding shame ding. like they're in Game of Thrones, I think, uh, <laughs> outside the Cambertan Council. But, uh, yeah, look, Milicic... Very prescriptive in his philosophy, and I think Danny De Silva and Ulysses de Villa might get frustrated yeah. by the speed at which they're asked I, to move I, the ball on. I think,
1: in the context of the, the stadium issues, that's what made this game so frustrating for me because there was zero the, atmosphere. Well, there was, there was zero atmosphere. You can talk about all the off field stuff as well, but this game just raised more questions than it answered about MacArthur for me over the course of this season like they've got all these wonderful drib as you you were getting to there they've got all these wonderful dribbling players who can carry with the ball at feet they've brought in some of the best if not the best in the league at doing this and it looks like they're going to be constrained to play a pass first in a pass first system and it didn't work and Did, like they drew the game on the weekend against a Wellington side who not many people have, with the losses they've sustained, predicted that favourably. Favourably, but Wellington were the better side in this game and arguably were unlucky not to win the game on a weekend where there was not a single team who could have used a good news story more than Macarthur. This was for me. I know it was still a draw, but this was not the performance that you wanted to put out.
0: No, and you know Wellington Phoenix uh, are favorites for most people to finish near the bottom of the table. I was encouraged by some of the stuff I saw from them, but it's all in the context of MacArthur running into blind alleys and uh, playing this very sterile brand of possession football where Craig Noon playing a right wing back as a left footer is the only player allowed to dribble, and he's narrowing the field all the time. It was so frustrating to watch. They need an overlapping fullback or... Maybe, uh, you know, Sheffield United-style over a uh, centre-back I, to provide I, with there. I wonder,
1: I think this, this is, doesn't work. Yeah, I think it's something to pay attention to over the course of the season, though, because I wonder what direction this goes. Like, we know Milicic has been so steadfast mm. in his principles and in his beliefs um, throughout his managerial career so far. Well, he but, did make an adjustment last year. He changed to a back three. But, like, is this... I mean, in terms of what players are yeah. given the scope to do on the ball, um, and... It, off the ball as well. It's like respects. it's like a possession um, drill.
0: It's like two touch. Yeah,
1: but like the, I think this is going to be one of the things to watch. Like, does does Milicic over the course of this season uh, cling steadfastly to these principles, and we see these players fitting into a square peg round hole situation, or does having those players with the skills at feet that they've got force a switch? If if, if we can, or if he mm-hmm. can be sort of managed and and persuaded into maybe allowing a bit more um, handbrake off play, if I can can use that yeah. phrase, and giving those players a bit more uh, scope to do what it is that over the course of multiple A-League seasons, they have done so well. Um, this could turn out very, very well for MacArthur, but this was not a great first impression of how all these star-studded players, some of the best in the league that have been brought in, uh, what they can do for this team and for the fans.
0: Uh, we have to go, Lockie. But that, to me, was like watching late-era Louis van Hal's Manchester United with players playing out of position, evenly spaced across the pitch, actually. and playing this ball-dominant style that just didn't go anywhere, that just didn't create chances. and yeah. uh, The players were so confused about uh, the game plan, they didn't seem to be able to make any of their own decisions. Yeah. I, I, I find it uh, very difficult to watch, and I think it's... Uh, an indictment on MacArthur if they can't make, uh, much like Western Sydney, a very much a star-studded collection of players work well together and do what they do best. So it remains to be seen whether they'll play another home game anytime soon on the the cow paddock, Uh, the Bulls, uh, funnily enough, uh, with a a home stadium that looks fit for livestock. Uh, But it also remains to be seen uh, whether they can uh, can deliver what they should with the resources at their disposal because they're spending a lot of money, clearly, on on the salaries and and the big-name players that they've brought in. They've been very aggressive with their recruitment. But if it's this dull and this sterile, uh, I don't think they're going to be successful in terms of results, and I don't think they're going to bring in new fans in terms of entertainment.
1: Yeah, well, in summary, Josh, I think round one of the A-League men's raised a lot more questions for many teams and really the league itself than it answered, but... I know that both you and I and everyone watching at home will be devoted to answering those questions as the footballing and A-League men's and even the A-League women's season when it rolls around, uh, the revolution continues. And speaking of which. And hopefully to be fully televised. Speaking of televised.
0: Yeah, speaking of uh, women's football, we've got Radio Dub coming up next with Pakua Frimpong, so stick around for that. Victory looking to build. Barbarus is quick. Is he in behind top Or Stanley, and- Stabar Barucus! Wow! Yeah! like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diomanti again! Oh,
1: he's done it! Unbelievable kick! Oh my